Wow, I could listen to that story over and over, couldn't you? Merry Christmas to you all. I um, was thinking about how sometimes I'll sit where you're sitting and listen to somebody give a message, and I'll walk away thinking, did they have a camera in my home? Did they have a recorder? How do they know that to talk about me like that? Or maybe I'm reading a book, and it seems like the author just knows exactly where I am. Maybe you've had that experience. There's an, uh, a woman who wrote an article called The Top Ten Fears That Hold People Back in Life. The top ten fears that keep you from moving forward, that keep you immobilized, that keep you paralyzed, keep you stuck. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to show you the ten things that she has come up with, this psychotherapist. And uh, as I read them, a number of them, sometimes all of them apply to me, some more than others at certain times, and maybe you'll share in common with me the ones that stand out to me. And here they are, starting with number 10, but working our way to the top reason we hold back. The first one is loss of freedom. We get that. Number nine, inadequacy. Number eight, being judged. Number seven, getting hurt. Number six, something bad happening. Uncertainty, rejection, failure, loneliness. And can you guess what number one is, the number one reason we hold back? It is change. People talk about how they love change. They want change until it means me. I'm not so sure I want to change, right? All all of these, all of these we can feel at different times. Uh, Running under the as a, as a current under our lives at times, we understand what fear is, what, what worry is, what anxiety is in our lives and how it can keep us from moving forward. We become afraid. Welcome to the Christmas story. We just heard a good portion of it. That's the portion we read when we light our, our Advent wreath at home from Luke chapter 2. Let me invite you into Luke chapter 2 where we hear about the birth of Jesus. But not just the birth of Jesus, also this random group of people called shepherds. And this is what Luke says. That night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, if you were the early audience reading this back then, you would have thought, really? Shepherds? I mean, you're talking about God himself stepping into earth, onto earth in human flesh? And now you're going to include in the story shepherds? Back then, shepherds, though respected, they were and hardworking, blue-collar people. I mean, remember King David in the Old Testament? He was a shepherd himself. It's not that people looked down on them, but in a way they looked down on them because, like in every society, there was a strata, you know? And at the bottom, at the bottom crust were the shepherds. They were uneducated. They were unschooled. They were blue-collar people. And yet, in this story, we read that God chooses to spread this news of Jesus being born around the world to start it with the shepherds. This is, this is what Luke writes. After seeing him, after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. What an improbable story. What an unusual story. 
that has the ring of truth to it, that has a, a spirit of veracity and validation about it. Let me explain to you what I mean. If you were getting ready to, to start a brand new religion, and then with the hopes of, of that religion spreading around the globe, I mean, would you start with a, a young Jewish girl who is betrothed to someone but never been with a man and now is impregnated by God's Spirit? <laughs> and then would you choose these, these common, lowly shepherds to be the key witnesses to what actually happened? No. You can't make that stuff up, which is the reason it has the ring of truth. And so Luke, the gospel writer in the New Testament, there's the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke takes what he hears from those who walked with Jesus, writes it down, and leaves it for you and me to decide, is this true or not? And then Luke tells us what happened to them that night. Here we go. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, among the the shepherds, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Terrified. That's a big word, isn't it? Terrified. I imagine if sometime today you're walking in the woods, or you're walking on the shore of the beach, or you're driving in your car somewhere, or you're in a room in your home somewhere, and all of a sudden an angel, whatever that may look like, appears before you, but there's no doubt this is an angel of the Lord, and the radiance of that angel surrounds you. If that happened to me, I would have an accident of some type. And probably you would too, right? And then look what happens. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Now, I imagine they were. They were, they were afraid at first. But, but but I would imagine they moved from their initial fear and shock and awe to being in wonder, to having hope. Because these shepherds, they were out in a field somewhere, doing what shepherds do, doing their job, watching their flocks by night. And they were not out looking for God, seeking God, but God was looking for them. And God found them. And God said through this angel, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. And through this angel, I'm with you. I am here. And you know, God says the same thing to you and to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. I don't know how well you know your Bible. But do you know from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to the very end, to the book of Revelation, the most common command, the most common imperative throughout the Bible is what? Do not fear. And it's equivalence. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. You don't need to worry. And yet, <laughs> we do. The psychotherapist tells us we have 10 things that keep us from moving forward, to keep us immobilized, keep us paralyzed, keep us stuck where we are, afraid to move forward. And we find all kinds of things to help us get over our fears and anxieties and worries. The things that keep us awake at night, 
But God says to them and to us, you don't have to fear. Don't be afraid. I am now with you. I am now with you. And this is a, a, a beautiful reminder of that God's with us and what he can do. These words of Tim Keller, we fear rejection and failure. But if you were completely filled with God's love, you would not care about what people thought. We fear the future and circumstances, but if you knew God perfectly and that he is good and in control, you would trust him and you wouldn't be afraid of death because you would know you would be with him forever. That's what God can do. And that's what God wants to do for us. This is what the angel said to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Look at the phrase, good news. On my phone, I've got several apps of news, right? You probably do as well. And every other news item or maybe it's three out of four, is bad news. Something's going on. Somebody just sent me a text this morning that in Burundi, the nation that we've adopted as a church, 20 people were murdered in the West Park by terrorists. I mean, just there's bad news everywhere. You know that. You could share your own bad news. But the angel says to the shepherds, I bring you news of great joy. What is the great joy? that God has come, that God has come himself to help us pass those very things that keep us stuck, keep us immobilized, keep us paralyzed, keep us from moving forward. And joy is different than happy in a slight way. And I want to explain. C.S. Lewis once said, hey, be careful of depending on happiness <laughs> because what you depend on for your happiness, you can lose. In the Bible, Happiness and joy is used interchangeably at times. But there is, a, there is a fine line of difference. Happiness depends on circumstances and on happenstance. It ebbs and flows. It's tied to emotions. That's being happy. But joy is a little different. Joy is deep down, tucked deep down into the soul. And that's what God can provide. One author says that joy is like ballast in a boat. Here we are in the poor Clinton area, and a number of you are boaters. You're glad you have ballast in your boat because when those storms come on Lake Erie and when those waves pound against your boat, you've got ballast, which provides steadiness. It makes you upright in the boat. It gives you confidence. It keeps you moving forward. And the Bible tells us that joy is like ballast in the life. When the storms of life beat against your life, and when those waves come and beat against you, you've got joy deep down that keeps you steady and upright, confident, and moving forward. Joy is a hallmark of the Christian's life. And the angel says to the shepherds, it's to all people. It's to you and to you and to you and to me. God gives us this gift of joy that comes through the one who has come for us who is Jesus. In a few days, our, our kids will come into town. This is the first Christmas day we've been without our kids at home. But they're, they're, they'll show up and we'll have our time around the tree. We'll give gifts and receive gifts just much like you will do as well. 
And then we'll have lots of amazing food. I can't wait for that. But what I really want for you this Christmas is what I want for me. When those fears and anxieties and worries come, those things that keep us from moving forward, keep us stuck, keep us immobilized, hold us back, that you will have the joy of Christ that keeps you steady and confident. A gift from God. A Christmas gift. Merry Christmas.